Last week, uh, just took a little detour from the series of messages on the full armor of God, uh, and uh, just felt in my heart that particular week God dropped this into my spirit. Uh, I know moms, you might have come today expecting a really great Mother's Day message This is one Mother's Day that I will probably not be appropriate for the day. Uh, Forgive me for that, but I felt like I just, I wanted to finish this message so that we could move forward with the others, and um, I just really felt like there are times in our lives that we, we tend to make excuses for all kinds of things, and we have that tendency on a regular basis to try to extract ourselves from various things in life, things that we don't want to do, things that we don't like. Uh, There are a number of things. Now, I know that kids most often, uh, as they're going through their school schooling experience, they will try to find excuses to get out of school. I can remember on more than one occasion laying on my bed in my room complaining of a stomachache, you know, Uh, on a school day where the weather was really nice and it was just one of those things that I knew that maybe I had some homework due that I didn't actually complete the night before or maybe I had a test or something like that and I would just be complaining and so then my mother would come into the room and you know she checked me out and of course I wasn't running any kind of fever uh, there was nothing that was actually going on that would indicate that I was really sick. But, you know, oh, oh, the groans. You know, you kind of pour it on a little bit. And uh, those of uh, you adults, you're, you're trying to remember your kids doing that. You don't have to think very far back, do you really? Because on occasion, adults, haven't you co- picked up the phone and called work and, <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> I'm, oh. Just really, when in reality, you know, there's the biggest sale going on. And if you don't get there first, right? Oh, no, you don't do that. I know. Yeah, yeah, you're all. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. You're perfect, perfect employees. But, you know, I, and, it, and then long about 10 o'clock in the morning, I'd look outside. and I said, man, it looks so nice out. And I'd want to go outside and play. My mother said, nope, right back to bed. You're sick remember? She knew better, but, you know, she gave me that mental health day, and, uh, but I had to suffer in the house. I couldn't go outside. There was going to be none of that. Uh, you've been there. We've all been there. We've all made excuses. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about the New Testament use of that word and how it was in Luke chapter 14 and, and uh we read that passage of Scripture where the man invited, uh, he prepared a great banquet and, and invited people to come in and one after another after another began to make excuses as to why it was that they couldn't come to this particular banquet and they had all kinds of crazy things and none of them were really reasonable. They were just things to kind of get them out of doing what it was that they really should have done. They should have taken advantage of that particular offer to come into the master's house and to come in and to take 
and partake of what it was that He had prepared for them. Do you know that God has prepared so much for us as individuals? And there are times where it is that God wants us to be in communion with Him. I'm not just talking about on Sunday mornings, and I'm grateful today you're here today. And you see, and you know, the, uh, like I mentioned uh, last week, the individuals who usually need this message the most are the ones who aren't here. And so I may be preaching to people who you're not, you're not making excuses for not being in the house of God, but there, it's even, it even goes beyond Sunday morning. It goes beyond Tuesday night. It is that time that God wants to spend with us, that He has prepared something for us. Do you know that we can take advantage of that if we will just heed the invitation to spend just a little bit of time with the Heavenly Father. God has prepared something great for us. It is the Master who has prepared something wonderful for His people. And He calls to us to come and to be with Him and to spend time with Him and to get to know His heart and to get to know how much He really loves us. A mother shares and and. and pours out her love on her children. And yet, it's an amazing thing, and my wife and I both know this, that we didn't really, really fully comprehend what it was like to be parents until we became parents. We didn't fully understand the love of a mother, the love of a father, until we both became a mother and a father. We didn't know what it was like, and yet the Father, the Heavenly Father, knows what it's like to love with such an intensity and He desires to be with us and yet many times we will find excuse after excuse. i got to make this phone call. i got to write this email. i got to touch base with this person. i got to go run this errand. If I don't get this done, if I don't get the grocery shopping done, we're not going to have food tomorrow. If I don't do this and that. And we make all kinds of excuses and then we get to the end of the day and we say, phew, God bless. You know, we're out. It's excuse after excuse, and yet God desires for each and every one of us to be with Him, to spend time with Him. mentioned this last week, that it was the Master who had called to those people. It seems as though in the parable it was a man of great influence. We're not going to take the time to read the parable again today, but it seemed to have been a man who should have had enough influence over the lives of those individuals that he had invited, but that those who had made excuses, that they should have come in. And yet he said to his servants, I want you to go out into the highways and the byways. And I believe this is a great message of evangelism for all of us, that we need to reach out to a lost and a dying world, that we need to reach out to other mothers, to other fathers, to other children that are hurting, that are without hope, that seem as though they are so down and life is hopeless. Brothers and sisters, there is a whole world view that is coming at people today that says that your life is actually pointless, that it is only what you can sort of make it in yourself. But then there are those who can't quite get past that point and say that I've got to find some kind of purpose 
mess in my life. What are they going to do, brothers and sisters? We have a God in heaven who said, I have made you in my image. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I want to bless you and prosper you and give you a future. I've got something great in store for you. Brothers and sisters, it's God who gives the purpose. And there are those today who are without it. They're without that hope. And it's you and I who can bring that hope to them. I think that's why the master said, go out into the highways and the byways and begin to compel those that are hurting, those who are down, those who are in pain, those who are, are without any kind of real sense of hope in this life, and you begin to compel them to come into my house because it's not going to be the excuse makers that will be blessed. You see, as last week we started to point out that excuses rob you of blessings. Excuses rob you of blessings. There are those who won't make excuses. There are those who are ready and willing to receive the love of God. The love that God wants to show them directly, but also the love that God wants to show them through your life and through my life. Last week we dealt with the fact that excuses rob you of the blessing of fellowship. I won't get into that uh, once again. There's no sense in, in doing that. But we began also with this next one, and this is where we kind of left off last week, that excuses rob you of the blessing of obedience. I'm amazed at how many people look at the Word of God and say, that's not for me, that's not for me. But then we get to the good parts, you know, the parts that encourage us. Ooh, hallelujah, that's for me. You know, we get all excited. We feel good when the psalmist just lifts us we read a psalm and it just brings us right up up here but then all of a sudden we get to a part in scripture maybe we begin to read a little bit in Paul's epistles where Paul is instructing us about actually how to live the Christian life about how to be more like Christ about what it is that we need to do and live in a manner that pleases God and we say oh that one hurts a little bit. That touches a little too close to home. So let me just kind of push that to one side. Let me just, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to rip anything out of my Bible. I wouldn't do that. But let me just, I'll excuse myself from this. Remember, last week we mentioned that the New Testament Greek word for excuse is literally a refusal. It is refusing to do what God wants us to do. Last week we talked a little bit about Saul. I'm not going to take the time to read the entire passage. But Saul was robbed of the blessing of obedience because he made excuses. Saul did not obey because he felt as though his excuses were greater. He was told to go out and completely wipe out a tribe of people, a group of people with all of their possessions and everything that had had done wicked things to God's people as they were coming out of Egypt. God had shown and seen that, that now is the time for their judgment to come. For them to pay for what it was. I've been patient long enough. They haven't turned to me. They haven't come back to me. They haven't, they haven't turned to me in repentance. So now it's the time for my judgment. And he told Saul a particular thing to do. I want you to go out and do not spare anybody and we know the story, we read it a little bit last week, 
where Saul goes out and he begins the process, but he doesn't quite complete it because in the back of his mind, he begins to make excuses for whatever reason, for whatever purpose. The Bible indicates that on one occasion he says, well, I kept the sheep and the cattle to use for sacrifices. You know that it's possible to miss the blessing of God because we think that something is actually spiritual. We go after something that we think God is going to be impressed with. Listen, the only thing that God wants from us, I believe with all my heart, He wants obedience and obedience to His Word. Saul says, well, I, you know, it's not just the sacrifices, he says, but I, I was afraid of the people. This is becoming more and more common in Christian life. We're afraid of what people are going to think of us. We're afraid of what others will think. And so we begin to make excuses for our Christianity. We begin to, to kind of back off a little bit of what the Bible says and what the Word of God says because we don't, you know, we don't want anybody to think we're, we're kind of those, those, those Christian weirdos, those, those wackos, and you know, some people who are just a little bit different. And yet, doesn't the Bible say that we are to be a peculiar nation, a holy people, those who are called out to be a little bit different than the world, to not be the same, to not be individuals who have, you know, look like everybody else, act like everybody else, talk like everybody else, but there's got to be something that is a little bit different. And, and now, all of a sudden, Saul makes excuses for not, not fulfilling the, the blessing of obedience in his life. He says, I was afraid of the people and what they would do and what they would think. Brothers and sisters, we cannot allow the enemy to get in with fear. Fear will be the biggest killer of your life, of your spiritual life than anything else. I'm afraid of what other people will say and how they'll make fun of you. I want you to know the Bible says and Jesus said, do not fear the one who can kill the body, but the one who can kill both body and soul. Do not fear those that are around you. Do not fear flesh and blood. Don't fear individuals and people for what it is that you think that they can do to you. But in Instead, let your fear be based on God. Say, God, I fear you. I reverence you enough that I will fulfill what your word tells me to fulfill. I will do what you want me to do. Now, there is a man in the Old Testament. This is where we're going to pick up today and read in Scripture. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of 2 Kings. This was a man who almost lost out on the blessing of obedience. But at the, almost at the last minute, he snuck in there and he obeyed and he was blessed. See, I don't want you to see, Saul is the dark side of things. The life of Saul is, is a lesson in tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Many years ago, we did a, a short series on the life of Saul. It was, it was a little difficult because he started out so wonderfully and ended up so poorly. But this man was not even of the household of Israel. He was not Jewish. He was not uh, of, of the seed of Abraham. He was a foreigner. He was outside of Israel, and yet he still received a blessing. I think this was just one of those stories in the Old Testament that indicated that when we got into the New Covenant, that there was going to be something wonderful for everybody. Everybody. 
No matter what your descent was, no matter where you came from, no matter where it was that you in life have been, God had a blessing in store. Like Paul said, there is neither Jew nor Greek, Gentile nor, 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 nor Jewish. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither uh, male nor female. In Christ we are all one. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says this starting at verse 1. Now Naaman was was commander of the army of the king of Aram, or Syria. He was a a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. We know eventually leprosy was deadly. It was one of those diseases of the day that if you had it, you were usually put outside of whatever city or camp or wherever it was that you lived, you were cut off from the general population. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria... This prophet just so happened to be Elisha. He would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, My God, can I kill and bring to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he's trying to trick, uh, pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent a message, sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, listen to this, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Now listen to Naaman's response. Here is his immediate response. It was an excuse. He says, but Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. He starts out with an excuse. He's about to lose out on a blessing. We're going to continue reading in a moment. He starts to lose out on a blessing by getting mad because he let his pride get in the way. You see, pride is the biggest excuse maker there is. His pride, I'm a great warrior. I'm a great commander in the army of Aram. I am a great man, why wouldn't this prophet come out here and do a face-to-face with me and wave his hand over, over the spot? And he gets angry, and he starts to go away. 
He says this, verse 12, Are not Abana or Farfar, the rivers of Babylon or Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Now, he, now he's making more excuses. He says, but wait a minute. The Jordan River, if you've ever seen a picture of the Jordan River, it is the muddiest river, I think, consistently and constantly that I have ever seen. It's terribly muddy. And yet people insist on being baptized in the Jordan River when they go you know, to Israel, want to be baptized there. Well, now Elisha is telling this man, go to the Jordan River. You see, it had nothing to do with the river. It had nothing to do with how clean the water was, what was happening in the water. It had to do with obedience, obeying the Word of God. And this man is standing there and saying, but wait a minute. There are these two rivers down here in Damascus in, in my homeland that, you know, these rivers are cleaner, they're nicer, they're better. He's missing the point. Sometimes we miss the point and we don't allow the obedience of God to come to our lives. We make excuses for obeying the word of the Lord. But listen to what the Bible says in verse 13. It says, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing." Would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young Boy, he goes down, somebody persuades him, listen to the Word of God, obey the Word of God, do what God is telling you to do, do what the prophet is telling you that you need to do. I want you to go down there and do it. And he says, fine, I'll go down there. I don't know if he went begrudgingly. I don't know if he went down stomping his feet, mad as a hornet, but he got in the river, he dipped himself seven times, and he got out of the water after having obeyed and ignoring the excuse that marched through his own head and came through his mind and instead he came up cleansed he came up whole brothers and sisters that is the blessing of obedience the blessing of obedience it may sound ridiculous don't make excuses don't allow the enemy to march through your head these excuses that keep you from the blessing but instead obey the word of the Lord and watch what God will do for your life God will do great and mighty things when we simply say Lord I will obey your word say well pastor I have tried to obey before and it didn't work out so well you didn't stick with it you didn't stick with it you didn't stay with it oh but you don't know what I've been through no 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 don't make excuses those are simple excuses those are things that you are, you are using to refuse to obey the Word of God. Listen, I want you to know the Bible lets us know that if we will obey Him, that He will take care of His people. He will watch over them. God will watch over His people. He always has. He always will. You cannot allow the enemy to come alongside of you and say, you know what, the Word of God is just too hard, just too difficult. Don't bother. You know what, it's not, God's not going to bless you. He's not going to help you know if you will obey the word of the Lord he will bring blessing
blessing in your life. He will help you. He will strengthen you. And he will give you everything that you need. This man just about allowed the excuses to rob him of a blessing. And somebody get in there with the word of the Lord at the last minute and said, just go do it. Just do what God is telling you to do. And when he did, he came up on the other side. He came out of that water clean and pure and whole. Brothers and sisters, if we will obey the word, if we'll give ourselves to obeying what God has said, I want you to know that God can begin to do things in your life like he has never done before if we will simply give ourselves to the obedience of the word. He obeyed. You see, excuses can rob you of a blessing of obedience. But Naaman is an example of one of those who at the last minute just said, all right, I'll obey. And when he did, God did great things for him. You say, well, sometimes I go kicking and screaming into the, into the, the obedience of the Word of God. You know, there are times in the Word where God speaks to us, and frankly, we don't want to do it, do we? There are things that sometimes when we read in the Bible, God is pointing at our hearts and we're saying, God, I don't know that I can do that. And he's saying, if you will just obey me, if you will obey me, I will bless you. Say, so what's the blessing look like? My bank account's a little empty right now. I don't, I, I don't know that the blessing of God looks like that. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Maybe you'll look in something different, like something different in your life. Maybe God will begin to orchestrate some things in a different way and in a different fashion. But I want you to know that if you will stay true to the Word of God, God will bring blessing in your life the same way He brought to this Gentile, this man who was outside of the blessings of the, the old covenant, the covenant of the law of Israel. This man didn't offer sacrifices. He didn't do those things before God. But God blessed him anyway. He obeyed the word of the Lord and he brought blessing. Now, one final thing that I want us to see in this. Turn over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Excuses can rob us of the blessing of being a blessing. Do you know that God wants you to be a blessing? I'm looking around the room today and I'm seeing people who at one point or another, you have been a blessing to me, you've been a blessing to my wife, you have been a blessing to those that are around you, you've come up alongside of somebody, you've helped them, you've encouraged them. But you know there are times in our lives where excuses can actually rob us of the blessing of being a blessing. The Word of God is very clear on how it is that we are to be a blessing to one another. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. I want you to listen to what the Bible says. See, according to the Word, we are completely dependent upon one another. We absolutely need one another. The Bible says, just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. We need one another as a body. There is no getting around it and sometimes... We think that we can't be a blessing to somebody else. There have been times in my life I know that I have 
refrained maybe from going alongside of somebody and sharing what I felt in my heart for them. Or maybe I have, I know I have done this, I have not come alongside of somebody when it may have been that they needed prayer for something and I just, I held back, nah, I'm not sure that now is the right moment. I have since corrected that, I, I got to tell you, because you will know if you talk to me on the phone, if there is anything that happens and I call you invariably, almost always, not always, but most of the time, we will end up praying on the phone and praying that God will help you and God will minister to you. You see, there is never a time in our lives where prayer is out of season. If you don't, look, you don't have to say, well, I'm not sure I have a word for you. Don't worry about the words, okay? Because you know what? Those can get a little funny from time to time anyway. Don't worry about sharing a word over somebody. I want you to just begin to say, God, you know what? Let me pray for this individual. You see, we are so dependent upon one another. We need the prayers of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you know, and this goes back to our point that we dealt with last week, we need the presence of one another, which is why we need to come on Sunday morning. We need to be in the house of the Lord. We need one another. We need to be around one another. We need that FaceTime, not the Facebook. We need the FaceTime with each other. We need to be close to one another because we are dependent upon one another as a body. You look around the room today, you see individuals. I look around the room today, I see a body. And that's what the Bible reveals that we are. And as a body, we are dependent upon one member doing one thing, another member being a part of something else, another member being a part of something else. And we all pulling together and making this thing work together in the kingdom of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, don't let excuses rob you of being a blessing. Don't let excuses rob you of that blessing of being a blessing. God has called us to work together in the kingdom of God. We are completely and totally dependent upon one another. We need each other as never before. In this day and age, and we read the scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, where it says that we should not give up the gathering together as some are in the custom of doing, but we need to join together in fellowship all the more as we see the day approaching. Brothers and sisters, in the day and age that we are living, we need each other so much more. We need each other. Say, so, well, I'm happy just being all alone. Well, I'll tell you what, you want to be all alone, you will probably find yourself all alone. But in the times where life is darkest, in the times where things are most difficult, isn't it wonderful to know that you can have a brother or sister in Christ come alongside of you? They may not know what's going on in your life, but their simple prayer, their simple touch, their simple help at that moment, being next to somebody, it can help you. You know, the times of my life where I, I was faced with such great difficulty, it was not the advice that I got from people, from my family, from my parents, from my brothers and, and my sister. It wasn't the advice that I received from people that really meant the most. You know what it was? It was their presence. It was them being there. Remember on one occasion I was going through such a dark moment in my life in Bible college. And out of the blue, my oldest brother Sterling, who is a pastor in our home church up in Maine now, my oldest brother, was he had been preaching somewhere. He had been on an evangelistic trip. And 
and was traveling, and it was out of his way to come to the school. It was out of his way to come on that particular day to the school, but he decided on that day, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to visit my little brother. And all of a sudden on that day, there's something about that day, when I saw his car roll onto campus, I said, oh God, thank you. This is it. And God used that experience not by what my brother said to me that day, but he used that experience by him just being there. I needed him. He didn't know it. God knew it. And God knew how to orchestrate that coming together. God knew how to take care in that moment. You say, well, we can just exist without each other. No, we can't. We've got to have one another. We need one another. As members of the body of Christ, we've got to be together. We've got to come together. We are dependent upon one another. Do you know that God is still seeking those who will stand in the gap? Not only do we need each other, but there are people today who don't know Christ. People today who don't know that they need a Savior. And they need somebody to stand in the gap for them. On behalf of them. Now they don't know they need that. They wouldn't admit that. They wouldn't say that. They would be the ones who probably would say, I have no use for that. I don't need it. But according to the Word of God, they need it. The Bible says this. Just listen to this verse of Scripture. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. It says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it but I found none. Ezekiel is prophesying and saying the words of God and what God was, was saying to the people while they were in exile in Babylon, saying, I, I looked for somebody who was, who was ready and willing to, to stand the gap. I didn't find anybody to rescue you. I didn't find anybody to stand in that place to, to cry out to me in prayer. I didn't find anybody to do that. And brothers and sisters, we need so desperately to be able to reach out in prayer for those who are lost and those who are hurting. I'm not here to say that it's all on you to save the whole world. You can't do that. But you know, I do believe that one by one, we can reach out to those that need help, to those that are hurting, those who are down and discouraged. You know, sometimes it's a matter of just simply saying, you know, we need to reach out to God. The night there was that opportunity. We shared a little bit, not much. It wasn't in great detail. It wasn't pounding our fists saying, you need Jesus. It was just saying, you know, sometimes we have to pray. Pray to the Lord and ask God for His help. And you know what, brothers and sisters, there are times in our lives where that is a moment and an opportunity for us to stand in the gap for those individuals, listen, God has placed in your lives family members. Moms, today you might be thinking about a son or a daughter that they're out there sort of doing their own thing. Today is a day to be honored. 
But today, I know that most mothers in this place who are godly and have children that aren't serving the Lord, there is that weight upon you that says, God, I've got to keep praying for them. I've got to keep reaching out to you for them. And that is something that you will never stop doing. Do you know that my mother has children that are all saved? All four of her children are saved. My wife's parents, all four of the kids, they're serving the Lord. But I want you to know that those, that, those families, they do not, those parents, they don't stop praying. They don't stop praying for their kids. I know my mother's 82 years old. She still prays for us. She still cries out to the Lord for us. Not because we're down in the dumps and we're weak. No, she's standing in the gap for us because she doesn't know what's coming down the road. We don't know what's coming down the road, but we pray to a God who knows exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. He's already there. He knows the end from the beginning. So we trust in the power of God. We trust in a God who is greater than our tomorrow. Tomorrow. He is greater than the struggles and the pains that we go through. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that we cannot make excuses for standing in the gap because there is too much that is at stake for that. We cannot allow anything in our lives to get in the way of what God has called us to do. And it is to be a blessing. Moms, you've prepared probably a favorite meal for somebody in the past, in your family. And you know that that is that one thing that they love. You've got that thing that, you know, you know that that particular kid they love to do. Maybe somewhere along the way you try to make that happen from time to time. Whether they're young, whether they're older. But I believe with all my heart that today the heart of a mother is like what we see in the Bible. See, so many in the, in the Scripture who stood in the gap for their children. And in the end, when they did, you know what occurred? Blessing. 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 How many mothers have not stood later in life and said, oh, it was all worth it all. I'm blessed today because of what God has done. You say, you say Pastor, I'm not there yet. Don't worry, you keep praying, you keep believing, and you will be there because you are a blessing. Don't allow, and, and many mothers, they don't allow the excuses to rob them of, of being a blessing. They don't do that. It's, it's, usually, it's usually other people in life that tend to do that from time to time. But God has something good in store. He wants, he wants good things. He prepared a banquet. He's prepared something wonderful. He's prepared blessing. And it's time for us to reach out and take hold of it and say, God, you've got great things in store for me. I'm just going to reach out and take hold of it. Because you've done so many wonderful things for me. I want to now be a blessing because you have blessed me. Can we stand to our feet today?